Hey there, listeners. Do you like ghost stories? Do you love ghost stories? Then you're in the right place. I'm Courtney. And I'm Cindy. And this is The New Paranormal. Okay, who has seen the new It in the movie theaters? Guess who hasn't? Cindy. That would be me. (laughs) I'm so mad that you haven't seen it because all I wanted was to talk about it. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I am just the worst person. I really am. You know why she's the worst person? Because she also hasn't seen the original It. Uh, At this point, all the years that I've been living, I don't think I'm going to see it either. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) It's so good. I have no interest at this point. I can't. I, I think it freaks me out too much to even think about just going to see it at this point. But you like horror movies, though. Yeah. But clowns, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> I do like Hide and Seek. That's a great that's movie. That's with uh, Dakota Fanning and Robert De Niro. That's right. That's Not right. Al Pacino. I know, I always call, I always get Al Pacino and Robert De Niro confused every single time. I don't know. I, that's a good movie. I think my favorite. Probably my favorite horror movie, I'm going to sound so obnoxious, is Psycho. Psycho's so good. It's like, it's just the ultimate classic. You can't really fight Alfred Hitchcock. Classic is a good word. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I I also, uh, Hide and Seek is more of a suspense. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a horror, right? Psycho? Yeah, I would definitely say Psycho's definitely yeah. a horror movie. Skeleton Key is another one that I really like. You know I haven't seen Skeleton Key. Skeleton Key is <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. Um, Kate Hudson is phenomenal. She plays it so well across the the older woman who I don't know her name. That's horrible. But um, <laughs> it, it's an awesome movie. Really freaky. <laughs> I feel like that's exactly the kind of movies I like, like freaky movies. Like Rocky (laughs) Horror Picture Show is 100% my favorite freaky movie, I guess, because it's not really a horror movie, but it's so weird. It's so weird. I'm always like, okay, but what genre is this? Another classic, cult classic. Oh my god, so good. I love it so much. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys out there, what is everyone else's favorite scary movie or creepy movie that you like? Uh, Tell us on our Instagram in the comments. Well, now that we've got our favorite scary movies out of the way, maybe we should talk about our favorite haunted places on Staten Island. Yeah, so this episode is going to be about, you know, the places that we love on the island that we have heard stories, creepy stories, scary stories, haunted stories of. So, um, do you want to go first or should I? Or? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Okay, cool. Uh, my favorite haunting on the island would definitely have to be the Willowbrook State School, which incidentally, is also the grounds of the College of Staten Island, CSI, that both of us attended at some point in our lives, right? Yeah, we both went there, and um, I definitely felt like the campus was very eerie, and I didn't really, not that I felt unsettled, but it was a different feeling. Well, you are definitely not alone feeling like that. I know a lot of people that have talked about just like a creepy feeling on campus. Uh, but before we get into like actual accounts, let's talk a little bit about the history of the school, which originally I found out in researching was an army hospital. I had no idea that this was an army hospital before it was the Willowbrook State School. It's very interesting. It definitely adds to the creepiness factor because what on earth went on in an army hospital? Exactly. So originally in 1942, 
it opened as the Army Hospital. And then in, I think it took it till like 1947 for it to actually open as the Willowbrook State School. And it was owned by the New York State Department of Mental Hygiene. And just from the immediate opening, it was just shit. Like the school was shit. From I think the first 10 years till about 57, there was an unbelievable amount of hepatitis outbreaks throughout the patients. And these are children. These are children with like extreme mental disabilities who are just running rampant with hepatitis. Like what the fuck? Yeah, that's really terrible. So because of the hepatitis outbreaks, Dr. Saul Krugman from NYU and Dr. Robert McCollum of Yale came to the Willowbrook State School. They were both working on hepatitis research, which thinking on that is like, oh, okay, they're going to come and help these children that are suffering from hepatitis. Nope. They came in and basically fed the hepatitis virus to 60 children that were otherwise physically fit. They were completely healthy. Fed it to them like guinea pigs. There were reports of hepatitis milkshakes and there were reports of children being fed other children's diseased feces. Like absolutely disgusting people. They looked at these kids like they were not even human. So it didn't matter what they did to them. They used them as actual guinea pigs for their research. And uh, it was just, I can't even imagine what the conditions were like in there. Uh, It was just, it was horrible. That actually makes me want to vomit. And it makes me feel so horrible for all of the They were actually victims. Oh, absolutely. Which is so scary. They were supposed to be in a safe place, you know? Yeah, these were the children that were dropped off to the Willowbrook State School in hopes that they were being taken care of because their families couldn't take care of them. So by the early 1960s, the Willowbrook State School housed about, I think, a little over like 6,000 patients when the space allotted for about 4,000 patients. So even if these children were being taken care of, that's still entirely too close. You know what I mean? Like, that's like, even in the best conditions, it's still not good conditions. Yeah. And these were far from the best conditions. Like, these children were living in almost darkness, lots of kids just in t-shirts and naked, covered in dirt, covered in feces, uh, whether they got food or didn't that day. Like, it's, it's, Absolutely disgusting to even think about. And this was actually Geraldo Rivera's, uh, like, big break in the news because he reported on this and he kind of, like, exposed all of the terrible living conditions and the physical abuse, sexual abuse of all these children in the Willowbrook State School. Now, if you're wondering if this sounds at all familiar, other than the actual reporting story... This was a huge inspiration for Ryan Murphy's second season of American Horror Story, Asylum. And when I found that out, I kind of freaked out a little bit because I'm a huge American Horror Story fan. Oh, me too. I absolutely love American Horror Story, but I didn't know that, so it's kind of cool. Right? I (laughs) I was really so... I was like, oh my god. Like, I was a little ashamed also, but... Really, that's crazy. Makes sense. Exactly. It definitely makes sense. (laughs) Makes sense. So finally, in uh, about 1987, Willowbrook State School was shut down for good. There were no more patients, no more disgusting living conditions, just empty buildings. In that time is when our third round of what the fuck happened to this place, Cropsey is a local legend. There was a really cool documentary made about it in the 90s, I think, right? Yeah. Um, 
and it centered around Andre Rand, who, incidentally, again, was a former custodian. And he had a rap sheet of sexual assault, multiple occurrences of abduction. Like, he's kidnapped children constantly. He is a monster. He's just a monster of a human being. And he was responsible for the brutal murder of Jennifer Schweiger. Schweiger, she had Down syndrome. She was 12 years old. Oh, it was disgusting. It was disgusting what he did to this little girl. And he buried her on the grounds of Willowbrook State School in a shallow grave that was soon discovered. And he was put in prison, done with, just locked him up. So with all that gruesome history, in 1993, CSI took some of the land from the uh, Department of Mental Hygiene and used it as their campus. And it was sort of like a rebirth kind of thing, or that was the idea at least. But... How friggin' creepy is that? Great idea, guys. (laughs) What an awesome idea. Now, some of the buildings are still owned by the New York State Department of Mental Hygiene, and they're still used. So now, after the history lesson, we get to get into the fun stuff of all of the creepy shit that happens at CSI. So if you go online and you look up, you know, haunted history of CSI, you'll get a lot of very uh, vanilla reports of people seeing former patients or hearing unearthly screaming or my favorite being pushed by no one like no one's there and you feel like you're being shoved people saying that they've been yelled at by no one like there's (laughs) no one there but they're being yelled at uh and there's a one story about shadowy figures chasing people from a building at night but there's no like specifics So I emailed a few people that I know. I I know one person that uh, used to work in CSI, and I know someone that went to school with me that I thought maybe... I know he was there a lot. He worked in the radio station sometimes. He was always in the uh, performing arts building. So I reached out to a couple of people, and I got very interesting responses. My friend Joe that used to work for CSI is someone that I wouldn't really describe as easily spooked. Like I think he's probably the one doing the spooking most times. You know, not really easily shook. Okay. So he told me that going into the basements of the admin building, so that's like 1A and 3A, was just terrible. Like, and this is like, he's like over six feet tall. Like, he's not like, he's not going to be easily scared by anything. And he said that it always felt like someone was right behind you or someone was watching you when he was completely alone in the basement. So weird. Yeah, I would not be quick to jump down there. That's really creepy. After hours? No way. (laughs) No way. No, definitely not. Now, he worked in 2A, and he told me about one time that he was downstairs in the basement, and they had asked maintenance to move one of those big, you know those big metal file cabinets that they had in, like, the school offices? Yeah. Now, those make a very distinct sound when they're being moved, because they're heavy, and it's like that metal grating on tile floor. It's a very... It's a very distinct sound. Yeah. So he was doing something somewhere else in the basement, and he heard the sound of the metal cabinet being moved. And he was like, oh, they're doing it. Except when he went back into the room where the metal cabinet was, it was still there, completely unmoved, not touched. There was nothing around that would have made the same sound. And 
Like, I I would be so spooked. I would have run up the stairs. I was going to say, what do you even do at that point? I think I would run away. Yeah, I think I would definitely <laughs> run away. I think I would actually stare at the file cabinet for like a half a minute and then just run. Process. As far as leave. possible. <laughs> uh, so that's, you know, he told me that story and I remember I was just like, wow, that's super creepy. But something that's a little bit creepier is my friend Guy's story. Now, he had a lot more experiences at CSI, um, mostly being in the radio station and the performing arts building. Uh, When he was in the radio station, he said that he always felt, or a lot of the times felt, a presence. Like there was someone with him, not really malicious, but just there, you know, which is super creepy. He said one time he saw a figure in a loft room when there was no one else in the in the radio station with him. Uh, there was, it was about like 6'2", he said. It was like a tall figure, like a human figure standing in a locked room. And it would like fade in and out, but it had no features. That is so wild. I know. I, I always think about that. And I'm just like, oh, I would just, all these things, I would just run away. Yeah. Just run away. Defenseless. Another thing he told me about in the radio station was overhearing conversations but there was, again, no one else with him. Like, he'd be alone in the radio station, and he would overhear muffled pe- like muffled conversations of people talking. Uh, I asked him if he remembered or could pick up any parts of the conversation. He said usually he couldn't, but there was one time that he remembered hearing, like, kind of a tense argument about letting someone get away with something or allowing them to be walked all over, which I don't, I can't, Figure out if I'd run away from that one. I think I would really try to eavesdrop. Yeah, that's intriguing. It really is. Now, Guy and I know each other from a theater class in CSI, and he ended up doing a lot more work in the performing arts building. Uh, He said that he always felt like there was almost a protecting energy, and that one time he was backstage doing work with his professor, and he heard someone call out, to watch stage left and he responded saying that he wasn't at stage left to then hear something fall like he heard like a loud sound of something falling so he rushes over to stage left where he meets his professor the professor runs over to and they see that a large prop had fallen down and the professor was only there because he heard the drop he was in the bathroom he wasn't even in the theater at the time that is crazy so I feel like in that regards, like, I'd be like, yes, this is great. You could stick around, spirit. Whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, if we have any listeners that are current or former students and you've experienced anything creepy at CSI, please email us because I love these stories. I absolutely love them. Our email is, again, thenewparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. Give us anything you got. Even if you're not from Staten Island and you have heard your cousin's sister's boyfriend went to CSI and some freaky shit went down, give us an email. We want to know. Tell us everything. Now that I am done with my history lesson of the gruesome things that have happened in CSI, (laughs) Cindy, how about you tell us about your favorite haunting on the island? Okay, so my favorite local haunt (laughs) is uh, um, Burial Ridge, which is also known as Conference House Park. It's at the southern tip of Staten Island, which is the very end of Highland Boulevard. It's really far out there. It's gorgeous, though. And it was originally inhabited by the Lenape Native Americans, which is 
really, really cool. They would bury their, their dead in the hills of what is now known as the Conference House Park. It's unmarked, and it is one of the largest burial grounds in New York City, which is really, really cool that we live here, and it's right there. We are yeah. on it. There are houses on it. It's <laughs> like, so creepy. So creepy. And all of the Native Americans that were buried there were buried in shallow graves, and they weren't traditionally buried. What was interesting was when I was doing research, I found that they were buried with items, but they were also buried with their knees to their chests. Really? Yeah. Like it. it they. I read in many places that it's a flexed position. They were just kind of squished together oh. and put in shallow graves, one to three feet. So when all the bodies became unearthed, specialists from the Museum of Natural History came to investigate and see what was going on. So not only did they find evidence of Native Americans dating back to um, the early woodland era, they found shell middens, which is like a heap of waste from years and years and years of constant pile-on, and it it basically tells you and shows you past human life. Oh, wow. Evidence, okay, so it's like evidence layered. of, yeah, just okay. layers of human occupation, wow. basically. Now, we have photos of that, right? Oh, yeah. We, we will post photos of that on the Instagram so that you can really get a feel of what we're talking about. Yeah, because even I didn't really know what a shell midden was. It was really interesting. I had to do a little more research into that. So, anyway... I kind of want to talk about the grave sites where they found three men buried together. They really? were yeah, they were buried together and between all three of them there were 23 arrowheads. 23? 23 arrowheads. That's a lot. Really no? excessive. Like, I feel like that's a lot. Yeah, of someone really did not want them alive. There was another grave site where there was a body of a child that was buried with pendants of yellow jasper. Really? Yeah. And there was also copper ornaments that were found um, uh, not in the site themselves, but in traces of the bone of the skull. Like it melded together. Why? Which is so crazy. It was there for so long that it just became one. Oh my God. <laughs> and last but not least, of course, there was another skeleton found and it was charred from the knees up, which... Burned at the stake? Who knows? From the knees up? From the knees up. Charred. But I, that's so weird. I know. Really terrible. Just, that's the, that's not the way you want to go. What could be the reasoning for the knees up, though? Knees up? I know. I don't get it. That's so weird. Gruesome. Gruesome. Definitely gruesome. <laughs> Definitely gruesome. I'm, like, picturing it because I'm just fucking weird, but... Oh, that is so creepy. Okay, so now let's talk about the other big piece of history sitting <sighs> on the land. I love layered ghost stories. <laughs> this is my favorite. Okay, so um, the conference house was built by Christopher Billup, who was a part of the Royal Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 1676, he acquires the land. He builds the manor, which is the conference house that sits on the park. Okay. Um, he builds it by 1680, and he's in. Him and his wife live there, and good old Chris is a British loyalist. <laughs> and during the American Revolution, he had a servant 
who he thought was signaling to the Americans from across the water, which is Perth Amboy, okay. Jersey. Okay. And um, he, in a fit of complete rage... Oh, gotta he, love those fits of complete oh, yeah. rage. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> was not happy about this, and he stabbed her and pushed her down the stairs and killed her, evidently. You mean she didn't survive that? No, no. <laughs> no, no redemption for her, unfortunately. And apparently there was also a failed peace treaty. It really goes to show you how important this man was and still didn't lose his ranking after just murdering his his poor servant. Also, he years later, abandoned his wife in the house, and she also later died there. Oh, my God. It's said that she died of a broken heart, but, oh. yeah, I know. That's sad. It is, it is <laughs> kind really of sad. sad, yeah. And she is apparently heard throughout the house. Oh. Yeah. So she still lingers. Yeah, so apparently she still lingers. People hear a lot of calls and cries from throughout the house, which is totally understandable from all the history that's happened in that house, from two deaths, one a brutal murder, and then one of a broken heart. That's just horrible. I mean, I would cry for eternity also. Yeah. <laughs> So now, aside from the house, there have also been sightings of Native Americans walking around the property. Really? Yeah, just lingering around and, you know, doing their thing, which I find so interesting because it's just all Native, like, that was their land. Yeah. So, of course, they would still be, you know, mustering around. Um, also, sightings of soldiers on the property oh, also. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, that being said... I myself had a weird experience. Okay. Two different times, but they were the same feeling. Really? Yeah. So one when I was younger, Mm -hmm. and then the last time I was there with you, I had the same exact feeling. Yeah. And I, I didn't go there expecting to feel that same heaviness. Yeah. But there was this weird energy when we first walked in there. And it was so reminiscent of something that I had experienced when I was a teenager and walking through the same the same uh, fields, if you want to say. And it's very shaded over and interesting to walk through because it's, even when it's sunny, it still seems sort of dark in yeah. there because there's so much cover Mm-hmm. naturally it gives off a creepy feel, but there's definitely some type of energy that's watchful and protective over that yeah. area, you know? So very recently and randomly, my friend and I were talking about um, places that she used to work, and one of the places she used to work was babysitting across the street from the conference house. Oh. And she had an interesting story or two Mm -hmm. about um, how there was a lot of activity in the house. Okay. Things moving, hearing things, and she kept telling me that it was because of the conference house, Mm -hmm. because of the land that it was sitting on. And that is fascinating to me, to think about how many of those homes they probably are experiencing something funky. And that's kind of fun to think about. (laughs) So if you're living in any of the homes around the conference house, please email us. (laughs) We want to (laughs) know. We want to know. 
So that about wraps it up for our favorite local haunts, but we want to keep this conversation going. Remember to email us and contact us on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening, and be sure to tune in next Wednesday where we'll be talking about one of my favorite topics, cryptozoology.